Incredibly special guest, Dr. and Bishop Bill Hanshu. Welcome. Thank you. I am so honored to be with you. Yay. Now, this is a, a real treat for me. I, I have such an affection and an admiration for Dr. Bill because Dr. Bill, you know, kind of earlier in my ministry and as I, you know, continued to move forward, was really someone who's consistently given me a place to have a platform and to share a voice. Very generous in that. And then also had the honor of being able to be one of the instructors at the World Bible School University. And so I just, I just want to let you know how personally, how grateful I am for you. I'm grateful for what you carry, how you champion me, and then also how you champion so many. And so it's just exciting for me to be able to sort of return the favor a little bit. I'm I'm on. I am so honored. This is a, a treat for me. Wonderful. For those of you who who don't know Dr. Bill or maybe aren't really familiar with his journey and where he's come from, you are seeing, and this is not the fluff and buff, but just a world-class human being who has has done ministry for decades and decades and decades and has, in a labor of love, delved really deep. And so this is such an honor as well as just a joy uh, to have you on. So let me let me highlight you, if you don't mind me bragging on you a little bit. Um, so uh, Dr. Bill received his doctorate in biblical studies from the Easter Theological Bible College in Tulare, California in 1987, where he was handpicked and personally mentored by the president of the college, Dr. Elmer Easter. What a name. Uh, Bill has, been, has a Bachelor of Biblical Studies and a Master of Theology from Grace International Bible University, Liberia, West Africa. Also, Bill has his Doctor of Theology, because there was more than one. <laughs> That's amazing to me. From the Bible Institutes of America and the Theological Seminary from Rayford, North Carolina. Bill Bill has a Doctorate of Theology degree and a Doctorate of Christian Counseling from World Bible School University, Joplin, Missouri. Currently, Dr. Bill is the presiding bishop a WBSITC and the founder, chancellor, and professional, uh, prof- well, professional professor of World Bible School University Online, as well as the author of several books. Um, he, you're also uh, married to the fabulous uh, Dr. F- Dr. Hanshu. I just want to give a shout out for her. Um, and uh, it's it's such an honor and so fun for me to have you on. So. Hello and welcome. Wow, what a, what a, a great intro! Thank you so much. I am uh, I can't say it enough how honored I am to be on your program. Well, it is it's a delight for me. We're going to have such a great time. You know, when I was talking to Dr. Bill about you know what's on your heart. Now, Dr. Bill has alluded multiple times to some very uh, deep revelatory understanding and grappling with. Genesis 1, the creation story, uh, and what that means. And I'm really excited because we've, we've talked about it, but we sort of not really dove into it. So I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about that. So feel free to take it away. And if you have anything, any slides or anything you want to share, feel free to do that as well. Well, you know, as a, uh, a mentor like you are, uh, one of the things you have probably experienced with people, as I have over uh, 50 years of ministry and 40 years of pastoring and, and learning to be a counselor and, and so on, is that what happens to people in this uh, faith we call uh, Christian, uh, which we have, uh, we have transitioned to call what we do Christ-centered, uh, but, but what we find is people get lost in their journey. Okay, uh, I mean, you know, excited about Jesus, excited about this thing called church or, or Christendom or whatever faith you've engaged. But then at some point, because of the pressures of life and because things don't go exactly right, people kind of get lost. And so for me, uh, there's, there's kind of a business, um, model 
that always says if you get to square four and square five and it doesn't work out, you go back to square one and you start over. Well, for me, that's kind of a principle of my life. I always go back to the beginning. Uh, when anything doesn't make sense, uh, anything doesn't come together, I'm not getting a, uh, a revelation or an explanation to give. I always go back to the beginning. And when I refer to the beginning, I'm talking about Genesis 1 and verse 1. And I especially love the first three verses, but, but Genesis 1, 1, we have, uh, all of us have reviewed this verse again and again and again. Now, this morning, I only have it from, uh, I don't have it in the Passion Translation, uh, but I, I do have it just to give us an idea, um, and I, if I can just figure out where to share this to, I, I think that's the place there. And so what we're seeing is that in Genesis 1, 1, and I know I've got three verses listed there, but it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Hold on just a second, Dr. Bill, I'm so sorry. Um, there is the fabulous WBS. You, uh, WBSU logo, but I'm not seeing the scripture. So if there's something, which we can look at the logo too, because that's great. <laughs> if you, you know what? Uh, actually, that uh, I should have switched that. That is our main ministry logo there. Uh, our school logo uh, would be this one. Yeah. Okay. So if I may um, re remove myself. <coughs> <coughs> excuse me, uh, that would be the school logo. Now, let me explain real quickly. There was World Bible School before there was World Bible School University, and our ministry, World Bible School International Training Center, is also an online ministry and has its own logo. But when we went to World Bible School Media uh, on our YouTube channel, then I... I used the ministry logo, but this is our school logo. Uh, we have a saying uh, that says, educating a now generation for the world today. It's not for the world of the future, not for the world of, of uh, yesterday, but, but really of today. We want to see people become everything that they're supposed to be today. And that's really my heart as a bishop. Uh, and as a, a college uh, professor, now I am the founder, as you mentioned, Dr. Faye's co-founder, but she is the managing director. And um, since you've been with us, we now have a, a director of education, and then we also have a support team. Uh, we have two people doing that now, just put on another one. And so it's working really well. But, but for World Bible School Media, uh, this is where I do all of the uh, our main ministry broadcast. I have more than one YouTube channel, but World Bible School Media is where you find hundreds and hundreds, literally hundreds, over the last eight years of broadcasts. And many times, uh, my maintaining, I do four broadcasts a week, um, and we've had other broadcasts in the past. So that's, that's, that, that's where World Bible School came from. Uh, but there are other world Bible schools, and, and thank you for bringing that up, Dr. Catherine, because there are other world Bible schools out there. There's, there's a, uh, uh, one that you, they, they will mail you, uh, lessons and you do the answers and send it back. There's a video school. There's all kinds that say world Bible school. We are the only world Bible school university that is fully accredited and recognized by the Department of Higher Education in the state in which we are incorporated. And so, that's that's uh, about as legal as you can get for an online school. And and uh, it's truly world because it seems like every time I talk to you there's a new country that's coming on. It's it's so exciting and beautiful what's made available around the world. Like it's truly world. It's not just a little international dabble here. It's truly world which is so impressive. One of the thing every minister ha needs to do is stick to the vision that God gives you. Um, I was recently offered to be on a ministerial board, and it was a great opportunity, uh, but uh, a, a credentialing board. But but the thing is, is that I felt like you know our vision kind of incorporates that, and it really would be taking away from what we're trying to do, and I couldn't find a way to make it add. So so stick to your vision. And, uh, you know, one of the things we said uh, some years ago is is I, I, the only people I want to reach is the whole world. Um, 
So we are, we are, um, <clears throat> and thank you for bringing that up also. We have over 500 students worldwide. Uh, and it looks like we're about to get an influx of more students. We just recently took on uh, Jamaica, uh, Haiti, uh, the Netherlands, and we're in Laos, we're in um, Thailand, uh, the UK. Uh, we had a student in Scotland who is deceased now. Uh, we're in Austria, we're in Russia, Canada, the US, South Africa, and uh, multiple countries in Africa and and so much that we had to put on an international director uh, over the continent of Africa, as well as directors here in the US. So, um, you know, Dr. Catherine, it's if you when you talk about a God thing, okay, what has God preordained? You know, I love Jeremiah 1 5, uh, as as was spoken to the prophet Jeremiah. I said, Before I knew you uh, in the womb, uh, I had uh, I, I called you, I, I, I ordained you to be a prophet. And you know, when when you were created, uh, there was a preordaining. Uh, uh, set within you, and that's why I say you know you got to know the vision, and then you got to stick to the vision. And so uh, we have not tried to grow this school, and, and you well know that we did have not tried. We started with four students. Here's a worldwide accredited university with four students five five years ago, and um, uh, really it's word of mouth and it's students that really have helped grow this university. So that's kind of the history there. Uh, we did not know how this was going to turn out, but we were willing to take a chance because 35 years ago, we had a vision to drop in our hearts for a, a university. And so you got to stick to the vision. Wow. That is amazing. Well, thank you. I didn't mean to hijack the Genesis 1-1, but that popped up and I think it was supposed to pop up. So that's perfect. <laughs> that is no problem. I love, uh, I love this. Uh, I am so flexible to go any route that we need to. But I'm also excited to share with people that when we read from our English Bibles, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the Hebrew culture at that time, they did not see what we've come in a theological uh, uh, research uh, they did not uh, do what is called duality. So they didn't see heavens and earth. They actually would have translated this universe. God in, created the universe. And um, I have a, a book. Uh, it's not my book, but this is called In the Beginnings by Stephen E. Dill, D-I-L-L. And it really is a study of the beginnings. And, and I love this because it turned me on to some things in the Hebrew that I never saw before. And so what led me to the study of Genesis chapter one was uh, really this book and some of the information I found in it. And so what I did is I tore Genesis chapter one apart in the Hebrew language. Now, obviously, I, I'm not fluent in Hebrew. I'm not fluent in Greek, but I do speak Hebrew and Greek words. I'm constantly learning the enunciations and how to lay them out with syllables and and what definition really fits. So, as you know, Dr. Catherine, we look at the Greek and Hebrew oftentimes through the Strong's Concordance. And if you want to use the Thayer's uh, lexicon, it was produced around the same time period, which both are eight 1800 years after the original Cohen Greek uh, in the first century. So we definitely need Holy Spirit to connect the dots. We need history. We need to look at the culture of the time and so on. And so what I've done is with all the information available, the Hashen translation, the Mirror Bible, and a, a lot of different things, I have rewritten uh, Genesis 1, verse 1, uh, and, and, and I don't have it readily available to share with everybody, but my Hebrew translation, and I don't do translating scripture. Let me clarify that. We always say translation. I interpret. But this was one of those times that I translated the verse, and it would read like this. In a beginning, which was not the beginning, Elohim created out of nothing the entire universe, including the species known as mankind. 
Now, where I get this interpretation of the species known as mankind is from the word earth, because when we study the word earth, everybody wants to focus on the planet earth. We have the planet earth. Do you know back in some Hebrew cultures, they actually believed, just like Christopher Columbus, that the world was flat? Uh, they had all kinds of versions or, or views on what the earth looked like. But when you read from the Hebrew, it tells us that this word speaks more of a people than it does a planet. And it's the Hebrew word Eretz. And from that, I have devised the interpretation, the species known as mankind. And what I've done with Genesis chapter 1 is I, instead of studying six days, and there are six days that you can study from the English Bible, but I've reinterpreted this as God's explanation of what he did in eternity past. And so when you look at this from the Hebrew language, you really get a lot of information. But something that I uh, I, I will say about Genesis 1 uh, is that in verse 2, it's really strange that here God creates the species known as mankind and immediately, verse 2, the earth, Eretz, was without form. How could God create something that is without form uh, and void and darkness is on the face of the deep? And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So what I've done is devise this, and this might be helpful to some who uh, really are studying uh, deeply into the Hebrew language and looking for things like that. So what I found out about this, the word being uh, without form, void, and darkness on the face of the deep, was this, that God spoke. And we get this word. Now, please understand, there are things in literature that you read and it doesn't really complete the sentence or doesn't really complete the explanation. Well, the same thing is true in scriptural writings and it's called an ellipsis. Now, an ellipsis is, is just exactly that. It's things that were, should have been said that were left out. And from that, we get what's called contextual clues, which I transliterate as scriptural clues. So a beautiful scriptural clue, and I won't give you the whole thing, but that's Ephesians 1 verse 4 that says that God chose. And the word chose there, uh, ek legomai from the uh, root word lego means to speak. So really it would say God spoke. And so I brought that back, this clue, this connecting the dots is how I study. And I brought that back to Genesis 1, verse 2. And uh, what I discovered was God spoke. He, he spoke to a people who were without form. And that word actually means they were in confusion. So if you could imagine the process of God. Uh, we like to think that everything's boom, instant, and there it is. And a lot of times we see that in Scripture, but there is the process of God. And so here God creates the species known as mankind, and then the explanation about what happened was, is here's the species known as mankind, and they are without form. They're, uh, uh, they have, uh, uh, confusion in them. Uh, think about a brand new, a, br a newborn baby. It's like, boom. Here's the light. Here's the real world. I see people. It's like for a moment, it's like a split second of confusion. Well, then we see that they were uh, uh, void. And the word void in the Hebrew actually says without, they had a lack of thought or intelligence. I renamed that as empty headedness. Yes. That's kind of where we were. And then darkness. Darkness is translated ignorance. Ignorance was on the face of the deep or the deep thoughts of man's soul. And in a split second of time, God says, let there be light. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there are three Hebrew words for light in Genesis chapter one. The first word is found in verse three and it actually is interpreted as illumination. So what happens in just a few seconds of time, even if it's that long, because Time is not really a thing for God. It's not something that binds him to the kind of how we look at chronological time. But in just a, a few uh, moments, maybe, uh, God creates the species known as mankind. And here there's just this moment of confusion. And then he says, let there be light and illumination happens. They're illuminated with his mind. The ability to know everything that God knows was implanted within them. And then the story goes on. So, that's really my go-to uh, when things don't flow right 
for me in my studies. And Dr. Catherine, I'm not one who jumps outside the, the box to things like, uh, do I believe there are such things as Christian mysticism? Yeah, there actually was a time in our history, biblical history actually, where there was Christian mysticism. Does, does that scare me? Not at all. Uh, when we talk about imagination, when we talk about uh, so many things, uh, you can usually find their basis or their foundation in some sort of biblical history, even if that's mythology. Now, the Hebrews were guilty of mythology, just as the Greeks were guilty of mythology, but that doesn't mean that we can't learn some things from where they were going with everything. And so, as I said, when that happens, when I get off on something, I always go back to square one, Genesis 1. One look at the species known as mankind. What did God do in them? And uh, that's kind of the beginning of the story. Um, and there's always more to the story. <laughs> and it's also beautiful because you also say the beginning that was not the beginning. So there was a there was a existence. I would say before time, right? But Father, Son, and Spirit, right? Time is mm -hmm. a created entity, and they always have been. And then us and them chosen before the foundation of the world, before the world, before the world was spoken or created. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we've talked about, you and I have talked a lot about Ephesians 1, 4. It's just one of those uh, deep, deep uh, things that points to something greater than what we realize and, and had forms context to our origination and our original design. And Absolutely. I'm, I'm, and, and that's great because going back to that foundation, it just puts everything in context. Cause when you start off with the wrong premise, you're going to come to a wrong conclusion. So when we start to get confused or this is not making sense, or this is not connected with this. That's right. Go back to origin. Um, and that's, um, that's really solid way to approach it. So I really appreciate that. Well, feel free to keep on going. Thank you. Well, if you're going to study uh, theological things, you're definitely going to get outside the box. And let me just say this to everybody. You're going to get outside the box of what we have as the canonized scripture. Mm -hmm. don't, don't, you, don't you understand that God is bigger, much bigger than the canonized scripture? When the Bible said in, in the, the last part of the book of Luke that there were not enough books, that, that, that would have written some more things about Jesus, but there wasn't enough books to contain everything that he said and everything that he did. So think about that why Holy Spirit came. He came to tell us everything that God has said and to reveal to us things that are to come. Uh, and you can look at the word come there. You can actually translate that as everything that is manifesting around you, God wants you to know about. Okay, so something else happened in creation. Uh, if I might just jump, this is something that's not in either one of my books. Uh, this is something that's a brand new revelation. But something happened, and that was that on the seventh day, God rested. Now, this is found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, 2, and 3. God rested, and the scriptures are very clear that he ceased from all the labors or the works which he had done. Mm -hmm. Now, why did God rest, and is God still at rest? Mm -hmm. Well, you have to define rest, and, and there's a lot to that. But let me just say this. When it comes to counseling, when it comes to helping people um, uh, in identity, uh, to find, to discover who they are, to discover how God feels about them. Uh, you have to look at the blame game. Everybody wants to blame somebody for why they're in the situation they're in. Can I give you, I want to give you a piece of information that may be disturbing because uh, it really, uh, when I get a new revelation, the first thing that happens is it causes an earthquake, uh, book of revelation stuff, in my soul. It's like, I was so grounded in, in truth, in theology, and now this revelation comes, and it really upsets the apple cart, as it were. And I recently experienced that with other revelation. But but concerning Genesis uh, chapter 2, we look at, at something that happened in six days, uh, the first six days, or the explanation of what God did in eternity past. One, and I'll give you uh, three highlights, uh, four highlights, actually. One, he illuminated with his mind at creation. Two, he formed us, or he fashioned, the word made there, actually uh, in verse uh, 27 and 28, somewhere in there, or 26 and 27, really is is bad uh, a bad interpretation. He didn't make us, but because he had already made us, he fashioned us, he formed us. 
shaped us in his image and likeness. And here's a wonderful revelation. If you think you are created apart from God and that you're out there doing your own thing and sometimes you get lost and sometimes you just wonder where God is and where you are, here's the truth of things. In the Hebrew, they didn't have a word for presence. We say presence, and the word presence is used continuously in the Old Testament. But there was not a Hebrew word for presence. Actually, when you translate it, it's the word face. And to take it further, it's face to face. Well, let me take it one step further. It's actually face into face. Yes. What it means is it's not you face to face with God, as we read in Paul's writings, which again is in English, but it's it's face into face. You never leave God. You're always one with him. And now you have the ability to see through his eyes, to think through his mind, to speak through his mouth. You are in that much unity and oneness with your creator that you can't escape him. So that's the being fashioned or the mirroring of who he is in you. And then the third thing was, is that he gave you dominion over all the works of his hands. Now, you can get a better explanation that in Psalms chapter 8 when David writes about uh, who is man that you are mindful of him. Uh, you've you've given him your glory. You've, you've given him uh, authority over all the works of your hands. And the Hebrew says, and you made him as gods. The Hebrew doesn't go into this a little lower than angels or a little lower than Elohim. Uh, right. When you translate it out, it's just you made him as gods. And David's questioning, well, you know, here we're so capable of messing up and we're so capable of blaming one another, blaming ourselves, blaming God that you did all of that. And how? And David's like, how can you deal with that? Well, back to Genesis 1, he gives us the uh, his dominion, which can be translated the authority to rule as God. Wow. All right. Now think about that, because here we are uh, from a counseling standpoint or a mentoring standpoint. You're blaming God. You're blaming yourself. You're blaming others. And yet uh, there's a good English saying that says the buck stops here. Yes. Okay. So what did God do next? All right, the fourth thing is he took all of this stuff now and he blessed it. He put his stamp on it. Uh, the word blessed there actually in the Hebrew means the, uh, uh, I can't remember the, the, the right word. Uh, yes, I got it. Empowered to prosper. Nice. So God put that in you. When you, wherever you are and you're hearing this podcast, just remember this. You might be saying, I'm not blessed. I can't be blessed. Nothing good can come of my life. And yet here's the thing. God empowered you to prosper in everything you do. So the final thing is Genesis 2. God rests. Why did God cease from all of his labors? Because he just put you in charge. <laughs> he just put you in charge. Now, put, put, put his kids in charge of his kingdom. You well, put, yes. yeah. And, 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 and he also put you in charge of your mess. He put yes. you in charge Which of your Which empowers purpose. us, right, to unmess. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. You are empowered to change your situation. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's just a little bit about where I live. Uh, I just really, I go back to the beginning. God, what did you do in me? And so, you know, Dr. Catherine, we have a tendency to read uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we look at uh, all the hate and all the wars and all the killings, and that was never God's heart. There, there's an allegorical message for all of the things that you read. But what I do is I've taken uh, Genesis chapter 2, almost all of it, I'm starting at about verse 4, all the way to the end of Revelation chapter 20, and I call this uh, that it's mankind's version of their human experience as they interact with God. And a lot of times you see them interpret who God is. God yeah. said, and in reality, so much of the time, God didn't say. Just like the, the, the law of the Old Testament, we have called that the law of God so much in our lives, and it never was the law of God, it's the law of Moses. Mm -hmm. And in the law of Moses, Moses does a lot of God said, mm -hmm. okay? And then you can get all the way in the book of Joshua, uh, God said, well, some of it was true. God was interacting with their experience, but a lot of times it's their interpretation. So why did I leave off Revelation 21 and 22? Because Isaiah makes a wonderful prophecy and he says that God declares the end result from the beginning or the end from the beginning. It's the end result of who you are, Genesis 1, 
from uh, all the way to the beginning, Revelation 21 and 22. If you interpret Revelation 21 and 22 from the Hebrew, or from the Greek rather, then you actually can see Genesis 1 coming back into play in the Bible. It goes right back around. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's amazing. Well, and one other thing that I wanted to um, sort of uh, enjoy a little bit with you is just a little pause, because there's so much that you have, is this whole God said, but we heard. And, (laughs) And so... Right. So God said in the Old Testament and we heard kill the babies, you know, whatever God uh-huh. said. And we heard sacrifice your child. That's what we heard. But that's not what God said. And I, I, there's such a, a a truth presented here where we live because God says and we still hear. And this is why our filters need healing in the mind of Christ, because God filters everything through himself, which is love, life and truth. And so, um, and so where our filters need that help so that when God says we're actually hearing what he said and we're not, um, uh, filtering it through whatever our faulty filters are so that it still comes out like love. And so, you know, sometimes I think we get very judgmental about maybe the old Testament and things like that, but we have to realize that in, the ways that we're not enlightened in the darkness that's in our minds, not truly who we are. We're hearing stuff through filters mm-hmm. that don't look like love, light and truth. That's right. And th- this is why we still run into problems. So, you know, uh, and, and th- just in humility, as we're, as we're learning to operate from this union and from what has always been true about us. Um, we're going to bump into this. So, you know, we can stay steady, uh, in the place of God said and I heard. And then, you know, how many times, I mean, just in, in life, you say, and like, no, I didn't say that, <laughs> but you heard. And so, and so this is part of the frailty of our frame, put it that way. That's not really who we are, but we can relax in the process because God is ministering to that as well. Right. And not be dogmatic. Uh, and fight what Holy Spirit is trying to do. Uh, right. Holy Spirit is saying, I said you heard and it's okay, but let's deal with that. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, so I, I, I will say this, uh, as, as many of you may or may not know us, we've spent 50 years in ministry, but also 50 years in marriage. And one of the things we've done after we left pastoring in 2014, after 40 years, is we got involved in education. Now, during our transition, we were already getting involved. We had an in-house school in our church, last church. Uh, but, uh, but we have spent about 10 years in education. We actually began to teach in an online university in Liberia, West Africa, which gave us an inroad to the African uh, people, the African culture. And so out of more than 500 students, at least 400 of them are from Africa. Uh, that's just the connection we have. So if you can imagine what it would be like in our journey coming from an extreme Pentecostal background, uh, <laughs> 10 years into adult, now that's our whole lives, right. 10 years into adult ministry, uh, we transition to the charismatic, uh, the word of faith, the um, the, the kingdom, the grace movement, and, and all of those things, and a lot of different things in between. Uh, I have preached in just about every kind of denomination and church that there is. Uh, I've preached on the beach to people who are in bathing suits. I've preached, uh, in, in parks. Uh, I've preached in, in, uh, churches, uh, fancy churches and just, uh, storeroom, uh, storefront churches. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. I preached on camera in underground churches. And when we made this transition of who God is, what was God saying to us? We started World Bible School University based on a principle. Now, there are a few, but the main one I want to share is God's unconditional love for his creation. So in my discovery of Genesis 1-1, not only did I see God create the species known as mankind, but every single person who ever has been and ever will be and presently is are spirit beings that live in the supernatural universe of God, also known as the cloud of witnesses. The cloud of witnesses is not a place you go to after you cease to be in this life. It's just the realm of God, the dimension of God. That's where you exist, whether you know it or not. 
that's what you where you exist. If you see a vision, if you have a dream from God, if you have this this momentary uh, interactive thing where it just a portal opens up to you, all those things ha are interactions with you in the supernatural realm. And so when we get, begin to teach unconditional love for all of God's creation, now we got a problem. We have an old covenant, but then we had to have a new covenant. We had sinners, now we have to have saints. We have Jews who are crucifying and condemning those who are following Jesus. We have the Roman government. We have Herod. We have Pilate. We have... Uh, um, uh, all, all kind of Nero. We have the, the Jewish authorities. We have Roman emperors. And all of these people are doing one thing, and that's trying to stop the message of Jesus. So that's why I say, as a school who has learned that the pendulum swings in one place, and that's God's unconditional love for his creation, uh, we also have discovered that all creation, there, there's not sinner versus saint no more than there's male versus female now i say that in all respect not not talking about anything other than god said we're all one that was god's point but here's the thing take the person let's go here how about hitler mm -hmm. how about mussolini mm -hmm. how about genghis khan how about uh people even you know uh uh helter skelter uh the the uh, uh those people how about uh son of sam uh, you can name anybody. How about the person down the road from you that just lives such a heathenistic life? How do you look at them? You have to learn that the proper interpretation of all scripture is God's unconditional love for his creation. And if that's not the proper interpretive lens, then I want to tell you, I don't know what lens you use. You may use a lens of hatred, a lens of condemnation, a lens of judgment. But I have studied the scriptures. And I, I want to tell you, Dr. Kazan, I, I am aware, and thank you for the, the uh, bio at the beginning. I, yes, I have four doctorates. Um, I don't know where I'm going from here. I, I would like to get a PhD, but our school doesn't offer a PhD. That's when you only announce one thing, and that's that you have a PhD. And um, instead of the eye chart after your name. <laughs> um, but uh, what I've learned to do is something that's so unconventional. I don't think I'm the only one. And I want to say to everybody, I let our students know this, I don't know everything. And when you ask me questions, sometimes my answer will be, I don't know. I don't have an answer right now. But what I've learned to do is study outside the box. Now, here's what I mean. You brought up something interesting, Dr. Catherine, what God said, or really what I think I heard God say. Exactly. I begin to question the, the writings of the scriptures. So when we read that God spoke to men of old, holy men of old, and they wrote it down, that's not exactly what the Greek says, no more than the Hebrew. God spoke to holy men and women of old. There were women who heard God's voice, and they wrote it down. But what did they write down? Here's what they wrote. They wrote down what they believe they heard God say. Yeah. Let's even get more practical. They wrote down what they think they heard God say. Right. So I have to question, did God actually say that or not? So now I engage what I've studied throughout Scripture and found to be true that the proper interpretive lens of all Scripture is God's unconditional love. So how do we look at that? Well, I have to go one more step. So I go I go the Greek and Hebrew. Mm -hmm. uh, I go the words that were written. But I want to know behind that, out there where you can't see, yeah. what was God's intention? What did he really intend to be said? Now, people say, well, that's dangerous. You know, several years ago, I made a commitment. Someone told me, not because I was doing it, but they said, you know, you can't put God in a box. Uh, we've heard that before. And yes, uh, you can't put God in a box. Why? Well, he's God. Okay. He created the box. Uh, he created the outside of the box. So I began to see God above the box, below the box, outside the box, and is if you take a perspective drawing, a perspective drawing works like this. You see the front of the building, but you also see this perspective that goes together that kind of gives you dimensions and depth to your drawing. Uh, yes, I once uh, was in high school in an art course, and art was my favorite subject, uh, one of my favorite subjects. But, uh, but anyway, that's perspective drawing. So you have to see things in perspective. So what was the father's heart? When I look at scripture and I see something that absolutely make no, makes no sense. By the way, as a theologian, I've done this. I have actually, and you go online and look at the proper rules of biblical interpretation. I changed them. 
uh, whose authority do you have to do that? Well, I just moved them all down one slot and I added my own number one. And my number one rule of biblical interpretation is common sense. When you're reading and it doesn't make sense, people say, oh, it's a sin. to It's blasphemy to question God. No, listen, you have a right to question the scriptures. You're not questioning God. You're questioning what someone believes they heard God say. And if it doesn't make sense, go back to square one, Genesis 1-1, walk through it again, and use the proper interpretive lens of love to bring a better interpretation of scripture. And what's so beautiful about that? Well, number one, God, uh, you know, God is the word, the, the capital L logos, and the words in scripture that point to him accurately that's awesome. The words in scripture that point away from him actually point to us and our understanding. And so, well, um, and so, so that we can rest because, um, uh, Christ is the capital word and Holy Spirit as God is also leading us and guiding us into all truth. And so that truth transcends this written word that is a gift to us, but we're not, um, we're not limited to it because we're not limited to God. God gives all of himself. And so he's constantly inviting us into this engaging. And when you look at Christ as the express image of the father, what was he always doing? He was leading. He actually led by asking questions. So he's pulling yes. out of us what was in our hearts to engage with him in question. And that is a holy exercise. God loves that. God loves honest questions. Well, it says this, but what does this mean? And Jesus did this all the time. He said, what's well, been said, an eye for an eye and a truth for truth. But I say, so the capital W says in response to what has been said in scripture to help us grow. And so you're grappling with it. You're bringing it to him. It's an honest question in relationship that God invites us to that actually causes us to be growing in him. And, and, um, and it's, it's honoring to God because we're really wanting to know there's something this intuitively. Yeah. You're no number one with common sense. It's like, yeah, this doesn't gel. This doesn't gel with a God I know. So what about this God? That is a holy exercise that God loves. He loves that engagement because it's relational. And then he can lead us and grow us and illuminate us, right? Which is what we're needing. So I love that. So I just wanted to dovetail on that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I might add this, that when it comes to what little bit we've shared about my journey, uh, I, I was raised a Pentecostal boy. Uh, spent 10 years of ministry pastoring, uh, I think three different churches in my first 10 years, uh, receiving my first doctorate, uh, just shortly after that. Um, uh, my journey is multifaceted in that it involves marriage, uh, children, uh, the church life, ministry, music. Uh, I have a, a history of music, uh, and then, uh, also in the various movements that people have experienced. Now, you know, one of the dangers of a movement is what God is doing in a moment, uh, even if God is the one making that happen. Okay, let me just say that. It, it, it may be just the way people are transitioning. Uh, but, but in these movements, I've learned not to, to, to build a house yeah. and camp there. Now, yeah. I was raised in a strong evangelical uh, back with a strong background. Uh, we, uh, and, and I will say this, uh, you don't have to be upset because you have an evangelical background. Uh, we built a strong foundation. Now, I also have a history, 25 years of construction, building custom homes and things. And I do know this, that foundations look differently, different thicknesses, different depths. And the reason is all of them, of course, have to go down the footing below the frost line, but the size of the foundation, the thickness determines what kind of a structure you're going to put on top of it. So we have built a very thick foundation, an evangelical foundation. But now the house we built on it has expanded, has been remodeled, has had ad floors added to it, has changed in so many ways as we've gone through all of these movements. Where we are now is, is all of those movements that I mentioned today are a part of who I am. They're a part of who made me who I am, but I will tell you this. Today, we're not a part of any movement. 
You say, but your school is about unconditional love. Yes, but I don't really think love is a movement. I think love is a part of God. (laughs) Love is God. Love is, right? You can't be, love is as big as God is. So it's not a movement, but it is a revelatory understanding of who he is. Amen. So so that's a foundation actually that can carry the whole cosmos for eternity. (laughs) Amen. Yes, and and thank you because cosmos is uh, interpreted as the divine order of God. Uh, if you think for one moment, and uh, I, I don't want to go over time here, but I would just like to interject this to anybody that's watching this that's struggling. Okay, mm-hmm. I want to tell you, if you think for one moment, while we were raised with free will, the freedom to choose, I'm not talking about politically, I'm talking about kingdom. People ask me, what platform are you? Uh, a Republican, Democrat, Independent? Uh, I want to announce to the world that I am of the kingdom platform. That's where my roots are. I am of the kingdom Thank platform. You. Do I have a way that I vote? Uh, I do support the, our country, and I have a way I vote if I have to fall back on something, but I am of a kingdom platform. I want to see the kingdom or the mind of God uh, expand. When God said, be fruitful and multiply, I believe this is what he was saying. Be fruitful in understanding my mind and multiply it to all creation. And that's kind of where I live. And so uh, in this kingdom platform, uh, I, I will say this, that uh, if you are struggling, think about the divine order of God. You may say, well, the, the, uh, my government says I have the right to choose. Yeah, I get all of that. Uh, I have the freedom. Of I get all of that. But think about the kingdom. Think about the rights and privileges of the kingdom. And so God's divine order. If I might say this, do you remember when uh, Paul said uh, that uh, God, um, uh, um, he's not, um, uh, and I, I wasn't prepared for this. I, I love these just to flow wherever they go. Uh, but he says that the Lord is not slack concerning mm-hmm. his promise, mm-hmm. uh, as some men count slackness. Mm-hmm. But here's where he's at. Uh, he is, uh, uh, the Bible says that it is not his will that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Yeah. You know, I never, I never failed to try to pay attention to the small things in scripture. What I mean by small things is there are pieces of revelation that often aren't taught because they're so small, they go unnoticed sometimes. So I thought one day, if God is not, the God who set this whole divine order in place, yes. if God is not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance, then what is the word repentance? Metanoia. Change the way you think. That's really what God's after. Uh, if you think you're lost, can I just tell you that if God is as great as you believe he is, how could he lose you? Exactly. He didn't lose you. You only <laughs> thought you were lost. You were told you were lost. Mm-hmm. You believed the, the doctrine of the Adam mind. You are not lost, and God is working his work in you. Uh, I love uh, um, uh uh, I think it's Philippians 1 verse 6 it said that, that uh, he who began a good work in you will complete it. Yeah. He's begun a good work in you. When did it happen? Genesis 1 1. <laughs> it, it started there. Uh, stick to the story, okay? But he's working in you to bring out his goodwill, his good pleasure, so that you flourish as a son and a daughter of God who uh, rule this world, have authority to rule as gods in this world. Rule your situation, own your situation, make the changes that need to be changed. But just remember, Father loves you and he will never let you down. Even this, if you're dealing emotionally with loneliness, I'm lonely. I don't, I'm, didn't God say multiple times in scripture so much that it was repeated in the New Testament that he will never leave you. He will never abandon you, never forsake you. He will never leave you as orphans. He will never orphan you. You can't be alone. If you're talking about human contact, I get that, but God never leaves you. And I would rather have God not leave me than anybody else who could abandon me. Well, and there's something that God's going to, that's doing, because he's praying for oneness, not only, it's a revelation of oneness, um, between us and our father, that all the mindsets and uh, the, the lies of separation and being alone from God, alienated from God in our minds, 
Mm-hmm. Um, that, that would, you know, dissipate, but also oneness with one another because we are also interconnected. So there's this interconnection made by Father, Son, and Spirit in how we were created that we are intrinsically one. And so this, this concept of loneliness is part of the alienation in our minds. Um, where we're experiencing that emotionally, but as we start to grow in the knowledge of this God who adores us, who secured us for eternity, and will not, even if we feel like we're losing our grip on God, he never loses his grip on us and is bringing us and guiding us into all truth, which is the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God that are intrinsically one with their father and intrinsically one with one another, because we're all in Christ as one human community. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Um, what do you want to hear? Well, do you have, this is, this is so good. I, it, it's as, as I knew it would be, that we kind of scratch the surface. And one of the things that I'm appreciating about this is not only is there deep revelation and then how that's come about in your story and what you carry, what you've gone through, all the study that you've done, all the, and how that's been expressed in all the degrees and everything else, but also what that means with where we live when we are emotionally really feeling that way, really feeling separate, really feeling hopeless, really feeling alone and all that kind of stuff. And isn't it that so God, uh, Dr. Bill, because with all these great theological understandings, the bottom line is this is about this relationship between sons and daughters and bringing all things to himself and the knowledge of him. And I, I love that about you. I love that about what you carry. Um, any, any, um, a summary of uh, this whole going back to Genesis one and how that is magnified and and is the the bedrock of where we can uh, move forward with in our growth. Yes, um, you know a question that's asked about my journey and the things that have been shared today is, and this is kind of crazy, but why do you have so many degrees? Why do you have so many titles? and so on. 25 years ago, I was injured. I had a back injury, and uh, it resulted, and it might have been more than 25 years ago, but it resulted in being bed fast for three years. Wow. And at the, the uh, end of that process, I, I uh, had a seven-hour back surgery that was so extensive, it left me with massive blood clots and massive nerve damage in both of my legs and feet. I get, I still today deal with that. I get better and then I have a, a setback. Something else shows up and, and so on and so forth. But here's where I'm going. Uh, in that process, I lost, I already had one doctorate. I lost my long-term memory. Now, I began, became convinced in this darkness that I was in, I became convinced that I was of no value in ministry anymore. Um, I, I was... Was, wasn't so much that I was really wanting to give up. It's just that I couldn't remember, uh, uh, family things, biblical things. I knew tons of Greek and Hebrew and scripture references and so on that I still haven't retained, uh, got back today. But here's what happened. Uh, the Lord did not give me my memories back, but I, I, uh, somehow was infused with this, uh, this excessive uh, accelerated, I guess is a better way to say it, an accelerated ability to remember. So here I am convinced that I couldn't uh, be useful in ministry again, so I go back to school. Now, in the process of, of before I was bedfast, I went back to college and I got a computer slash uh, office degree, a business degree, and uh, that's where my computer journey kind of got started. Uh, that was 1998 that I graduated, October of 98. But uh, so I went back to school and uh, I, I, I earned three more degrees, two of them in theology. Theology is my forte. Christian counseling, because I have uh, 40 years of, of counseling under my belt and uh, I teach, sometimes teach Christian counseling in our school, but mostly theology. So, so it was important for me, for that to happen. Now, in this process is when Genesis began to explode in my life. And, you know, what I love about Genesis is that it's the beginning. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, you can say, my Bible says it's the book of Moses. I won't disagree with you, but I would take chapter one out of that. I would say that it's the book of the beginnings or the book of the beginning. And God's beginning is so beautiful because if you can ever get a revelation or a picture of the beginning, what God did in you, then it won't matter to you what Adam did in chapter 2 and chapter 3. It won't matter to you what Cain did after that or the Tower of Babel or the city of Babylon or the Babylonian mindset in the book of Revelation. None of that will matter to you if you see yourself after what God, and see, here's something else that happened. Not only did God set an eternal covenant, so we don't have to use old covenant versus new covenant in comparison, but also establish an eternal truth. And the eternal truth God established was about you. You are the eternal truth. And if you want to understand that, look at the beginning, because the end result has already been declared of who God created you as in the beginning. And so those events kind of led me to this insatiableness of uh, I've got to get knowledge. Mm -hmm. One of the things that happened to me, Dr. Catherine, is I read 1 John 2, verse 20. Now, a Pentecost, every Pentecostal boy knows that scripture. You have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. We never got the I know all things, but we got that unction meant anointing. So I have an anointing from the Holy One. Well, here's the truth is you have the same anointing Jesus has. You're one. You don't get more anointing. You can't have hands laid on you, oil splashed on your forehead, and, and an anointing, and get more anointing. You have all the anointing that you can ever use. And then you have all Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing. He is all in yeah. and holding nothing back. And so it's an awakening to what we already have. Yes. And, and another term is you are in Christed. Oh, hyphen in Christed. Yes. In Christed. Uh, you can't get away from that. Everything that you are in your journey is in Christ. Do you remember when Jesus said, well, I, I don't want to get ahead and I know I, I need to uh, uh, tone down, but, but you, you have an unction from the Holy One. I love the Aramaic there. You have the capacity to know all things. Wow. So I told God, I said, if I have the capacity, the ability to know everything you know, because it was implanted within me at creation, then that's what I want to know. Wow. Now you remember when Jesus said, um, Take up your cross and follow me. The cross in the Greek paints a story of a wooden stake that's drove in the ground and a tether or a rope that's tied to you from the stake. You ever seen the stories of a wounded eagle or a bird that they're tethered to a stake and they will only fly as high or as long as that rope will allow them. Right. Sometimes after you cut it loose, they don't go beyond that. What Jesus was saying is you're tethered to your problems. So take up your wooden stake representing the cross. Take that up, put it over your shoulder, join hands with me, and let's go on this journey. Even with all of your mess, even with all of your pain, let's go on this journey and you will be healed and everything will come together in the process. But if you're going to sit in a dark room and play this I'm alone and nobody loves me game, you're just going to keep being tethered to that wooden stake. Pick it up. Join arms with Jesus. Walk as he walks, step as he steps, speak as he speaks. And guess what? Things are going to work out in your life for the better. That is so beautiful. And I love that because he, he's not denying the fact that we're, we have stuff to carry that's painful, that's hard, but in the journey with him, and it's all about this relationship. What makes the journey so good is that it's you're with him. Mm -hmm. You're transfigured in that so that you are um, transcending that cross that you're carrying, that yeah. tether that you're carrying. And that's, oh, that's so glorious. And, you know, I, I love your story because you practice what you preached, right? You know, a lot of people, if they were bedridden for that long and lost long-term memory and all these different things, they'd be, they just give up. But you were like, no, there's something more. And so I'm going to press, press in to the one that's pressed into me. Because I'm, I, I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to, I want this revelation of who you are and what all, who I am and all of that. Um, and that, that thirst that gets satisfied, yet you want more, right? Yeah. So, which is just so God. And, um, that's, that's beautiful. And, and how that lends itself to where we live as human beings in our, in, in the struggles that we have, that God is with us and helping us to transcend. So that's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. For 
And if your viewers want to, if, if you want to, um, if you want to settle for where you're at and say, I got this condition or this problem and there's nothing I can do about it. I guess I'll just have to live with it for the rest of my life. Here's what the prognosis was, Dr. Catherine, as a, as a, a formerly a medical physician, you will, you'll appreciate this. The prognosis was I was in a wheelchair and the prognosis was that the nerve damage in my legs would get worse and worse. I would become more and more of a cripple and I would never recover. I would be that way for the rest of my life. My wife and I looked at each other and said, we don't receive that. Absolutely. No. Because that's not what I'm hearing God saying. Yes. And, <laughs> and, and God is not saying this, but what my wife and I have said to each other from time to time is, do you want me to agree with that? Yeah. We'll yeah. complain. I have this problem. Do right. Agree with that? No, right. let's agree with that. Wow. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That, you know what that does is it also creates a, blazes a trail for others to follow because you've done that. And it's like, oh, wait, Dr. Bill did that. You know what? Oh, yeah, Jesus, I can do that too. That creates hope and a space for others uh, to, and is a backdraft a little bit on the trail that you are are blazing and walking with God that helps so many. So thank you for that. Wow, that's beautiful. So Dr. Bill, where can people find you? Uh, where can they where can they find out more about WBSU? I'm happy to include links and all that, but just to hear, just to give us it yourself. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you go to www.wbs-u.org, uh, that is the school website. Uh, all of our ministry in the past used to be about our ministry, and then. Uh, after that was our school. Now our website is about our school. Our ministry is there. There's a ministry link for what we do, but mainly our school. All of our courses are there. Our bios are there. Course descriptions are there. Uh, cost is there. Uh, how to get in is there. Uh, applications is on the website. And so basically that's everything. Uh, if you want to hook up with me on Facebook, I'm not, I have two Facebook accounts. Go to my first one, WBS itc dot dr bill that's my first uh facebook account if you want to hook up with me on uh, uh youtube uh i have a youtube channel called dr bill hands where i've been going back lately and taking my 34 copywritten songs and re-recording them because i never did record them so they're they're there i'm trying to use that as my personal thing but also our, our, our ministry is World Bible School Media on YouTube. Uh, you go to World Bible School Media and you can find, I, I, I lost count sometime. I was over a thousand videos. I lost count, so I can't count anymore. Um, so, you know, we're on, on, uh, World Bible School University is on Twitter. Uh, we're, we're on, we're on stuff that I don't use as much anymore. Uh, we're on TikTok. Uh, I mean, uh, we're on everything because it's important. I don't view social media as, uh, I know that people have problems, but I view it as an opportunity to share about Jesus. Oh my goodness. That's a wonderful. And I wanted to put a shout out to Dr. Faye. She recently came out with a new book. Yes. Tell us about that. It's beautiful. Yes. So we are both authors. Um, uh, I will be having a two-part series come out in, in books uh, called The Theology of Creation. Uh, the, the book of Revelation unveiled is is done, but it's not all edited. So only volume one is published. Uh, I have some other books published. But Dr. Fay, she wrote uh, some time back, came out with her first book. on. It was about children that deal with fear and how to help them deal with fear. And it was a beautiful book. Uh, but she just released her second book. This was like a revelation hit her and it went crazy and, and just a, I don't know, it wasn't very long. And here she's publishing this beautiful hardback book called The Heart of the Master, uh, subtitled Father's Unconditional Love for His Creation. And it is, I, I edited it. Uh, I did a forward for it. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. And, um, she's such a joy. She's, uh, uh, she's also a TikToker. <laughs> uh, in less than three weeks, you have to have a thousand followers to be able to go live on TikTok. Uh, 
In less than three weeks, she had like 1,400 followers. Of course she did. Yes, yes. And I'm I'm still stuck at like 59 followers. I can't can't make it. I I haven't even joined. It's just like one extra thing that I haven't done yet. But maybe I'll let let the Holy Spirit lead. But yay. And it is is that one extra thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She's the managing director of World Bible School University. She is a publisher, Inspired Creations Publishing Company. Uh, as well as uh, a musician in her own right. And um, uh, she's just a, 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 she's a social media diva. That's incredible. Yay, Dr. Faye. That's so awesome. I love it. Well, Dr. Bill, it has been a joy as I knew it would. Um, and I just thank you, thank you, thank you. I thank you for all that you've just invested in my life and all of that. You are truly a blessing and it's always a joy. So thank you for coming. My my pleasure. I oh, and I did want to say, Dr. Bill is available. Like if you have a podcast and you've got listeners um, that are hungry for that, Dr. Bill is available. Where can they contact you uh, with that invitation through? Is it better through social media? Is it better through the website? Yeah, it's better through social media. If if you just go to facebook.com forward slash WBSITC dot Dr. Bill. Uh, that's my main timeline. You can go to Messenger, send me an inbox. Um, I, I have no issues with uh, giving an email as well. Uh, this is my oldest and uh, longest ministry email uh, for a, a church that we once had, but it's drbill.wwfm at gmail.com. drbill.wwfm at gmail.com. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, take advantage. Uh, I know he blessed you incredibly today, and I, I really want to make sure, even as he's given a platform to so many, I want to make sure that he partakes of what he has sown, uh, and his voice and the voice and, and what's available, uh, that he and Dr. Faye carry with the school and all of that, um, is also, uh, uh given a, given an extra, extra exposure, which is wonderful. So. And if me wearing a collar turns you off, can I just tell you, uh, I was a bishop before I wore a collar. I have been, uh, had hands laid on and confirmed nationally and internationally as a bishop. But I wear a collar. I, I used to be this business guy in insurance, et cetera, suit and tie. Uh, I did that for years. I always wanted to wear a collar. My churches were against it. And one day, and I'm not pastoring anymore, it's like, I'm going to wear a collar. So I don't wear a collar to be religious. I, I love crosses. I have tons of crosses. I think it looks <laughs> fabulous jewelry. on you. I mean, you wear it well and you enjoy it. So, oh, my goodness. Where so you don't let that turn you off. <laughs> no, I think it's delightful. And I'm so glad you do. And, it, and, and, and you carry it well. So that's just lovely. So do not be turned off. Let's celebrate. Let's just, you know, we're we're not free not to not wear a collar for not free to wear a collar. So just have fun. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. Well, it's been a joy as always. Uh, go find Dr. Bill. Uh, go check out the school. Uh, go invite him on your podcast. Go get Dr. Facebook and Dr. Bill's books. So much available to you. And once again, thank you for coming on. All right. Thank you, guys. Everybody share this. Love you. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit catherinetoon.com.